Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Do that again. Nobody heard that. Oh, man. I was just going strong strong and wrong, baby. Let's go, you know? Hey, moms, Mother's Day. Moms are awesome, right? And we have many women here with a mothering heart. We're grateful for you. We have a gift for you at the end of the service. And so I'm going to give a shout-out to my mom right now that I just did, but I'm going to do it with the mic on. So, Mom, thank you for loving me even when I was totally blowing it so many times. Um, and standing by me, and always being there to encourage me with that unconditional love and believing in me. Thank you. Love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, so my mom was there in the principal's office, and my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, was the principal's secretary. So she knows all the dirt on me, and uh, I don't know how that worked out. But can you think of someone who's reinvented themselves? Steve Jobs. Remember Steve Jobs? Founded Apple, got fired by Apple, only to come back and reinvent himself. Taylor Swift started out as a country artist, later to become a pop star. Fresh Prince of Bel Air was a rapper. Too soon? Was that too soon? <laughs> too soon. What about George Foreman? He was the famous boxer who lost uh, Muhammad Ali. But did you know that he made over $200 million selling those George Foreman grills? Talk about reinventing yourself, right? Um, <laughs> how about, here? I got some photos here. This is a, a photo of me in what I would call my hippie surfer stage with Steve Caballero and Eman Guzman right there and my son. And, uh, and then this is what Joe Gruber, you guys know Joe. If, if you don't know Joe, he planted out of here to Portland. Um, he calls this my vegan hipster phase. So. <laughs> uh, anyways, I don't know where I'm at now, but... What do you guys think? Should I grow it long again, or should I keep it short, grow it long? What, how many votes do we have for long here? Long? Short? I think the long hair wins out. I don't know. We'll see if I can grow it back, see if I can keep it going. Um, all of these people had reinventions, but not necessarily a supernatural reinvention. And I want to, today I want to talk about the Apostle Paul some of you guys have heard that name. You're like, I don't even know who the heck that is. Who, who is the Apostle Paul? He was a prolific church planner in the first century. And he wrote half of the New Testament in the Bible that we have. And we had started a series a couple years ago called Unstoppable, where we, started, where we went through the book of Acts. And Acts is the story of how the church got started. And we got going all the way through. And then we kind of we, we stopped, I think, for Christmas or something at Acts 13, and we never finished. And so we've been talking about, oh, we got to go back and finish Acts. So we're, we're calling it Along the Way because it's this journey. How many of you guys know it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey along the way, right? And Jesus said, go into all the world and bring the good news. And the word go, it means as you were going along the way. And oftentimes it's not about the destination, it's about what God does in and through us along the way in our own lives. But we're going to be following Paul's missionary journeys. But how many of you guys know that Paul didn't start out as Paul? Do you know what his name was in the beginning? A lot of you guys know. Saul. 
how did Saul become Paul? We're going to be looking at that today in this really important chapter in Acts, chapter 13. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Chapter 13. And I'm just going to kind of recap Acts just to get us up to speed, because I know some of you guys are just jumping right in with us. Those of us that were doing the series before, it's a couple years ago, you probably forgot. But Acts is this amazing story where it starts out with the resurrected Jesus giving a commission to the disciples. And he says, wait in Jerusalem, and you will receive power. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? It's kind of this continuation of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I will command, and behold, I'm with you always till the end of the age, like this awesome commandment, go! And here they are, they're, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit so they can go. And that's how the book of Acts starts, and this movement begins, Peter gets up, and he went from like being the knucklehead fisherman who denied Jesus three times, blowing it every... I mean, it gives us hope, right? When we see the disciples just blowing it, right? But God uses him. And he stands up and he gives the most famous TED, TED Talk. And about 3,000 people join their church that day. And it just gets starts snowballing from there. So much so that they're getting persecution from every side. And the funny thing is they, they didn't actually intentionally go even though Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the earth, they actually had to go because they got persecuted. And they were, I mean, they were being threatened to be killed. In fact, Stephen, one of the early leaders in the church, is martyred in front of their very eyes. And one of the guys that was part of bringing that to happen was Saul. Saul was persecuting the church. He was trying to hunt them down, put them in prison, and kill them because they threatened the status quo of religion. And Paul is walking on the road to Damascus to try to go persecute more Christians. And he, this bright light hits him, and he meets the resurrected Jesus, goes blind. Ananias, whose name means God grace, comes up to him later. God, God speaks him to go, tells him to go to Paul, and he's like, I don't know if I want to go talk to that guy. He kills Christians. But he goes anyways, and he lays his hands on him, and he gets healed. His eyes get, get opened, and he received Jesus Christ. And he experiences, he starts to begin to experience this total reinvention from Saul to Paul, except his name doesn't change. There's quite some time between when Saul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and when he becomes Paul getting it done. And so we're going to kind of see a little bit of that transition here today. But basically, it's 14 years, 14 years later, and nobody believes in, in, in Saul. In fact, they're kind of afraid of him, except for one guy. Do you guys know who that, his name is? It's kind of a cool name. We don't hear too many people named Barnabas anymore. That'd be kind of a good one. Anyone thinking for a name for their son? Barnabas. Little Barney. <laughs> Barnabas means son of encouragement. And Barnabas is just that, right? He's coming alongside believing in Saul, even though everyone's kind of written him off. And up until this point, Saul doesn't have much of a ministry. You know what his ministry consists of? He does a little bit of teaching, and he pisses people off, and they want to kill him. That's his ministry. Just thank God that you don't have that ministry, right? And so that's pretty much all he does. But then 14 years later, he's still rolling with Barnabas. And there's this significant church in Antioch, okay? And we're going to kind of, this is where we're going to start off here, is in Antioch. And 
remember, mostly what's happening is the disciples are trying to stay, but because of persecution, they're being forced to go. The first time that they actually send somebody intentionally is Antioch. And so we're going to just take a look at this, and then we're going to look at what is Paul's first missionary journey. It's kind of a crash course. You guys ready? You guys with me? You guys okay? We're doing good? Okay, cool. So Acts chapter 13, and there's some nuggets here, so pay attention. In the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, there's Barnabas again, Simon called Nisher. That's how you pronounce that. Make sure you pronounce that right. Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Okay, just a side note, you could dig really deep into like who these people are, where they're from, but they're from all different places. They're Greek, they're Jewish, one of them's probably from Africa, and they're the first multi-ethnic team of leaders. It's pretty awesome. And what had happened prior to this was that Peter got this vision. Remember, he got this vision about, like, the pork and go eat bacon, that whole thing. If you, if you haven't read it, you can go read that. But basically what it meant was it was okay to reach the Gentiles. And up until that point, they were, like, only reaching the Jews. Okay, and this is really key for us who are Gentiles, right, who, who were not, didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. And so that's when Peter went to Cornelius, who was this Roman centurion, and it opened the door but up until this point, you didn't see this. You didn't see a multi-ethnic congregation. And this is beautiful because they're coming together from all these different places. And it's like this team, this team of leaders. And look at what happens here. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed... They laid hands on them and sent them off. Again, this is significant because it's the first time we hear about a church that's a multi-ethnic team of leaders that's actually intentionally sending people out. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want to be. And I think even in, even in today's world, a lot of churches are more worried about keeping what they have, right? And, but I don't, I think, I don't know. I just, I want to have a different mindset, right? How exciting has it been for our church to be able to send Joe to Portland and see all that's happening in all city church, right? And God's doing all these great things. So there's this, there's this thing that happens where they, they're praying, they're fasting, they're seeking the Lord, and then it says to, the, the Holy Spirit said to set them apart, and then it says that they placed their hands on them and they sent them. And starting in verse 4, I'm just going to read, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to kind of just read a little bit and then paraphrase what happens here is they go to Cyprus. It's an island, okay? And it's kind of like it's, it's just offshore, and they go out there. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Where they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos, where they met a Jewish... There's quite a few people on this island, just so you know. Like the main city, when you would sail into, had about 100,000 people just in the main city. So there's quite a few people here. Um, they traveled through the whole island um, until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul. 
Sergius Paulus. This is like a local leader over this area. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because they wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil. You don't want Paul saying this to you. An enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Interesting that that's what happened to Saul, right, when he met Jesus. Maybe he's hoping that this man will meet Jesus in this. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking one to lead him by the hand. When the proud council saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And then they continue on to Presidian Antioch. There's two Antiochs, and they're in different parts. So there's like, there's like Antioch here. They sailed across to Cyprus, and then they sailed up, and they went up to Presidia Antioch, another uh, key town where they went and they met with, what they would usually do is they'd go into the town, they'd, go, they'd find the temple, and they would start to talk with people that had something in common. And then they would share the message. And so what happened was they shared the message, and so many people were interested and wanted to ask questions and wanted to talk with them and follow Paul and Barnabas, which now from this point forward, there's a shift from Paul, from Barnabas and Saul to Paul and Barnabas. And they turned this whole town upside down. In fact, it said that they wanted them to come back, and they came back, and the whole city showed up. So much so that the locals got jealous and wanted to kick them out. The power of God was moving through them so mightily that, that, that the worldly powers were threatened by what God was doing. They ended up shaking the dust off their feet and moving on to Iconium. After Paul gave the most powerful two-minute sermon ever. You guys think a sermon needs to be long. I don't think so. He gives this two-minute sermon like the whole town gets transformed because of this little mini message that he gives. And so this is just the, the, the kind of the overall overarching theme here that I wanted you guys to see and understand, okay, what's happening in Acts? What's happening with, with Paul? But how did Saul become Paul? How did this transformation happen? How did he reinvent himself? Was it just a name change? Did you know that in that time, if you Paul was a Roman citizen, and so he would have been born with three names. Saul was his Jewish name, and Paul was his Greek name. And so we know that Paul, later on, he says, I became all things to all people, so I may win some to Christ. So Paul is definitely, he's going by one of his other names. He's going by his Roman name because God is shifting his ministry to reach to the people outside, not just the insiders. But there's something more happening here. It's not just a name change there is a transformation happening because all of a sudden now, we don't see anything miraculous happen in Paul's life prior to this, 14 years. All of a sudden, it's a game changer. And he's moving in power. And whole cities are hearing the message. And you know, he went from teaching a few people and people wanted to kill him to him teaching a bunch of people, powerful stuff happening, miracles happening. This one guy that's opposing him, he strikes him blind. That's kind of gnarly. I don't know how more my theology was with that, but it happens. It's in the Bible, so you got to deal with that. And, but the, the point here is that there's a shift. There's a power shift here. How did this all happen? How did this authority shift happen? Let's look back at the very beginning of the chapter here, and I think there's something really powerful for us here today. 
It, and I'm just going to re- reread that first paragraph. We can put it up on the screens too. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas called, uh, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after that, they had fasted and prayed and placed their hands on them and sent them off. And then verse 9, we see something happen here. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. What's going on here? What's happening? There's, they were seeking God. It said they were fasting and praying. When was the last time you fasted and prayed? I don't like fasting. I want to eat food. It's so good. It's so delicious. But Jesus said, when you fast, like he didn't say if you fast or give or if you pray. He said when you give, when you fast, when you pray. These are parts of our spiritual life where we seek God, right? And so what, what's happening is they're, they're seeking God and, and something, something happens where they're propelled into a new season. From this point forward in the book of Acts, it's kind of like the ESPN highlight reels of the Apostle Paul. He's moving from town to town, three missionary journeys. He's shipwrecked. He's stoned. He's bit by a snake. I mean, all this stuff goes down, and he's unstoppable because God is with him so he can bring this message. And we're still blessed today reading these letters that he read. He wrote all these letters from prison. When they threw him in prison, he's writing these letters to churches like, like you can't stop the guy. And it, it goes back to this moment where they're seeking God, they're worshiping God. And I think sometimes we can discount what can happen when we pray, right? It's almost like after we've exhausted every other resource, we've tried everything else. Oh, well, you know what? We haven't tried praying. Let's pray. You know what I'm saying? And I'm guilty of this. But what if instead we start there? We go, okay, let's get serious. Let's, let's seek God. How many times has that happened in, in, in my life and ministry where we're like, wow, we really need someone for this. What are we going to do? Who do we have? What can we do? How can we recruit someone? And then all of a sudden, like, someone's idea, Justin's in the meeting, he's like, why don't we pray? And I'm like, okay, let's pray. And we pray. And then all of a sudden, like, the next day, someone's like, hey, I wanna, can I help with this? God moves through prayer, right? Amen? And then the second thing that I think is this game changer where it says, Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. Something was going down because of God's Spirit. Jesus promised it, John 14, 15, and 16, right? He said, you'll receive the Holy Spirit, the Counselor. He's going to teach you stuff that you don't know, you don't understand around. He's going to guide you, and it's better for you that I go away so the Spirit can come. Like, I don't, have you ever thought about that? I would love to hang out with Jesus and just go on the boat Jesus, show me that thing where you, like, walk on water. I want, can, I, can we do that? I, can I go? You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be so cool. But he's saying it's even better for you that I go because I'm going to be powerfully present with you by the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Santa Cruz, Aptos, Felton, Portland, the Netherlands, wherever you go, you're going to have this power from the Spirit to be a witness. This is the game changer. So you're saying, Danny, okay, this is great for Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. How does that relate to us? How many here, you want all that God has for you? 
Only three. Okay. Who here, you want all that God has for you, right? I, like, if God created you and he has a purpose for you, I don't know about you, but I want all that he has for me. I don't want to miss out. I want it all. And so I think that we need to be people that are seeking all that God has. That's my first point, is that we need to be seeking. How do you launch into a new season? How do you experience a transformation and a, and a reinvention of your life? Number one is to be seeking. Paul spent 14 years, Saul spent 14 years as Saul seeking. Didn't see a lot happen. He was a little bit overlooked. People were like, nah, let's not ask that guy. He's kind of creepy. Like he killed Christians before. He's kind of a terrorist. And uh, yet he continued to seek. And, and, and Paul in 1 Corinthians wrote, run in such a way as to get the prize. I think about him. He was running even though he was not seen, even though he was not picked. He was the one that was, he continued to seek God in the times where he was not seen. And he encouraged us all to seek all that God has for us. I love what he says in 1 Corinthians 14. He's writing to one of the churches in Corinth. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Like, we should be desiring all that God has for us. We should be seeking the Holy Spirit. And that means, sometimes it means fasting and praying. When you make decisions, do you take time to seek God before you make a decision? Or do you make a decision and then go, oh crap, I need to pray. <laughs> right? It's better to start there, I think. Lord, how, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to go? And that's been this, I'm just talking about, um, I, there's someone here from All City today, came down from Portland to visit. I love that. It's so cool. We have this connection now, this bridge with Portland. But like watching Joe in this, this season, one of the things that he felt from the Lord was this, this scripture that says, keep in step with the Spirit. And I watched my good friend, we talk every week, and I watched him do this over the years that leading up to what God has done in Portland at All City Church. And it was very, very humble beginnings. They felt the Lord calling them to one part of the city. And they started there. And it was like, okay, what's the next step? Waiting on the Lord, fasting, praying, other people praying. Right? Nothing, nothing flashy, nothing major happening. Just, oh, I'm going to go meet with this person, making connections here. But there was a seeking. And there was even a point where God gave me a dream, and I came back and I told Joe about it, and he's like, actually, I had a dream too. And then his daughter, Lauren, had a dream, and there was, a, there was seeking going on, right? We were praying, and it was, God was bringing confirmation that this is something the Holy Spirit is doing. We have to be a part of this. We have to do this. There's some groundswell on this. And so that's the starting point, right? And I think that's important for us to remember that we want to be seeking all that God has for us. Number two, I'm going to, I'm going to blow through these pretty quick here. Number two, I think that when, when it says, I love this, how it says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. Set apart for me. Do you know that you're set apart by God? He says that you're holy and dearly loved. And the word holy, it, it literally means separate. I love to make avocado toast. And I, it's the greatest blessing in the world. I've, I've always wanted to have a house with an avocado tree, and we have a house with an avocado tree. Try not to be jealous. Don't be too jealous. I have an avocado tree with like 100 avocados on it, so if you're really nice to me, I might give you some. But 
I, so like I'll pull off like five at a time, and it takes about five days, you know, for them to become ripe. And then I'll like take one like at night, because I know in the morning I'm gonna make avocado toast. So I'll, like, I'll take one and I'll put it like right by the toaster with the butter and the bread right there. It's like, it's set apart. And everybody in my family knows you don't mess with that avocado because it's been chosen. It's, I've like, you know, I felt it. I've just like, you know, okay, listen to it. Okay, prayed over it. Just a little, you know, little prayer. And I got my little special avocado, you know, it, it's set apart for something. And I think that's what God wants us to see ourselves as too, right? In the same way that God set apart Barnabas and Saul for something special, he's set you apart too. Did you know that? God has set you apart, which the word there, it literally means to be selected, to set apart. Um, but it's also the, the same word that we get holy. You are, you are holy. You're set apart to be holy. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge your brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? So if we're going to choose to be transformed, we also have to make a choice not to be conformed. Does that make sense? There are things in this world that want to conform us into the image of the world, but God's saying, I'm, I'm keeping you, I'm setting you apart to be mine. And I want, I want you to fulfill the purpose that I have for you. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. A lot of us, we want to know what God's will is. Like, what do I do with my job, my house, you know? And the starting point shouldn't just be the decision. I think the starting point needs to be Living, living a life that's set apart, not conforming to the ways and the patterns of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's a whole sermon right there. I can't even go there. But my next point is this. In addition to seeking, be seeking, be set apart. And number three, God has good plans for you, um, and, he, and he wants to set, your life, set you apart for a purpose which is to be sent, which is number three. If you're taking notes, God wants us to be sent. Did you know that? God didn't just send Barnabas and Saul. Every one of us, as, as Jesus followers, we're called to live the sent life. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? That's the great commandment. Number one is we're sent to our community. And number two, go into all the world and make disciples, we're sent to go into the world. Every one of us, as, as followers of Jesus, we're called to live this sent life. We've all been sent. And, but it isn't just about when you get there, right? Who's ever been a part of something where like, you go and you do something and you think it's about one thing, but along the way, God is working all along the way. I'll never forget, Jenny and I led it. We used to do a lot of international missions back in the day. We led teams to Kenya and Thailand and England and UK and all this stuff and um, Mexico a bunch of times. Like, we just loved traveling. And um, we went to Bangkok, Thailand one year. And I remember we, we, we really felt like the Lord calling us to go there. And we put together this team and we raised all this money and all this stuff. And we, we spent two weeks out there. And we worked so hard. We did everything that the pastors wanted us to do. And, but not one person received Jesus the whole time we were there. 
You know, we went back, we were like, oh man, what a failure of a trip, you know? But it was, when I look back, it was one of those times where God was working in me. And he, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, we think it's all about what we're going to go do for other people. And yeah, sometimes we'll help someone, but usually it's what God wants to do in us to transform us to become more like him in the process. And so living the sent life, uh, I think it relates to this whole series where we're talking about go, and not just the idea of go point A to point B, but the, the definition of that is another translation that says, as you are going along the way, right? We can be so busy getting from point A to point B that we miss all of the people in our path and the opportunities that God wants to be with us all the time. Amen? Acts 1.8, Jesus' promise, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And I believe that's a commission to the church to go. I don't think God wants us just to go on our own. I think he wants us to go in his power with his spirit, which is the last thing I want to talk about um, is, you know, if we go with human power, we'll have human-sized results. But if we go in God's power, we'll have God-sized results. And I want to I see God-sized results. I want to have a vision that's bigger than what I can accomplish and do in my own strength. Amen? And so we're talking about the last, the last point for you guys today is I want to encourage you to be spirit-filled. Be seeking. Be set apart. Be sent. And be spirit-filled. These are things that, I, yeah, we see this in the Apostle Paul, but I believe that every believer, we can gain from this and we can live a, a sent life. We can experience the power of God. And I know that when you read Acts, it's almost like this, like I said this earlier, it's like an ESPN highlight reel. Like they're healing people, they're, they're preaching these two-minute messages and the whole town's coming to Christ, all these things. You got to remember, there's like years in between this stuff, 14 years on the lead up. And then, you know, it, it looks like it's happening consecutively and we feel guilty because we're not experiencing this stuff every day. But truly, if we are seeking God, and we're living lives that are set apart and sent, and we're relying on the Holy Spirit, we're going to see God move and do things. I just was outside out front this morning hearing Trisha's testimony of how she's been 28 months sober, and she's able to have her son come to church with her today. Isn't that awesome? That's a transformation story, and I think about all the people, and just yesterday I was thinking about someone else who, like, came to hope with needles in their pocket, totally hopeless. And I was like, I don't even know how to help this person. Like, what do I do, God? And I've seen them walk through this transformation of following Jesus, of imperfection and making mistakes and being surrounded by a community of grace and Barnabases who can be encouraging along the way. And I want to be that church, but I also don't want to just do it in our own strength. Amen. I want to be relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Because I truly believe that's, that's his promise and that's what God wants to do. It's bigger than us. How, how do we experience that? I think we can kind of mystify the Holy Spirit, right? And some people, maybe you've been in church context where it's like a little bit, I don't know, maybe some people have experienced some abuse of this kind of spiritual abuse and we can kind of get weirded out. But you know what? It's really what Jesus intends for us. He intended for us as, as Jesus followers to have the Holy Spirit, 
the whole Bible is kind of like this relocation of God, right? In the beginning, it's like God out there, and then Jesus becomes Emmanuel, God with us, and then he's like, it's better for you that I go so that you can have the Holy Spirit. And as, as followers of Jesus, we have access to the Spirit of God, His power moving in us. And it's not just to like do cool stuff, but I believe it's what it says, is to be my witnesses. And I think if we have that heart where we want to share the good news with people and we want to come alongside people and share the hope that we have, God is going to give us power from the Spirit. He's going to move in people's lives in ways that you never could have dreamed or imagined. I've seen it, man, with my own eyes. So many times, I could tell you so many stories um, of just God doing the miraculous. I mean, the fact that Joe moved to Portland right before the pandemic shutdown, and like, remember Santa Cruz? Like, we were like, we were judging Portland. You know, it's bad if Santa Cruz is judging Portland. You know what I'm saying? We're like, it's so bad there. Oh my God, right? People are freaking out. Like, saying, like, like it's like, you know, some godforsaken place. And in the midst of that, God planted two churches out of Joe and Katrina's home. One is online, which is reaching hundreds of people through skateboarding called mess halls. And then one is in person, where we're given a building that's like an $8 million building and like $600,000 from a church that was dying. And they said, we want to give it all to a church plant. That's not miraculous. People are getting baptized in that freezing cold river up there. Who wants to do that? That's crazy. God is working. People want to get baptized in that river. That's going down. Like, that's, it's amazing to see what God is doing. And it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. How do we receive that? It's so simple, you guys. We just have to ask. I mean, Jesus said it as plainly as this. I'm just going to read word for word from Luke 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? He has to be a pretty mean dad to do that, right? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Here you go, son. Crack that open. No. If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's not just talking about, I claim that BMW in Jesus' name. No, he's talking about, I want to give you the Holy Spirit. I want to give you purpose. I want to give you power so that you can live a life that is, that is sent and set apart and, and filled with his Spirit, filled with his love for people and seeing God move. And I just want to pray that over us right now. I want to be that church that's seeking God and that isn't just trying to build our own kingdom, but we're so excited to build God's kingdom that we're willing to send our best. Amen? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831 800
2060. Thanks again for tuning in.